Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. You have found the most informative hour of radio you'll listen to all week long and the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in this week. In segment three, Marshall Glickman, he's the CEO of G2 Strategic. He's going to join us for this month's installment of Glickman Global, where we examine a global sports business topic. In segment four, SportsSense, a guy that I've wanted to get on the show now for quite some time, Dan Gilbert. He's the majority owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's owned them for two years now. He's the founder of Quicken Loans, the nation's largest online lender. He also owns a few other sports-related companies. We'll catch up with him in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit our new and improved website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Listen to Sports Business Radio on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm joined this week in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, the sports world lost a giant this week when NASCAR patriarch Bill France Jr. passed away after a long battle with cancer at age 74. We're going to discuss his legacy in our next segment, but you'll never guess which event drew a bigger TV audience than LeBron James's thrilling performance in Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals in Detroit. And no, it wasn't the Stanley Cup Finals. And no, we're not going to tell you right now. We'll tell you in the next segment. What's even more shocking than the Eastern Conference Finals was what beat out the NHL. We've heard about the NHL's ratings all year long. This takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, the first two games were on versus, and when we tell you these numbers, it's going to boggle your mind. Even- but then the next few were on NBC, and these were historically low numbers as well. We'll give you some comparisons. And... You know, you just look at the NHL now, women's softball and some of these other programs we're going to tell you about are beating the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. This is their marquee event of the year. If no one's watching that, good luck. I don't even think you need to throw out the numbers anymore. You just start throwing out the television shows that it's losing to, which we will the next segment, and you'll be blown away. I'll tease you with this. One of the shows that beat it out is a reality show with blondes. In a tanning salon. That's all I'm going to say. And you watch it religiously. We've got other updates for you. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. could have a deal done by the end of this month. Who's it going to be with? We'll let you know on that. And then Billy Boomerang Donovan. Like that nickname. Yeah. The University of Florida coach who was the Orlando Magic coach for only a weekend. We'll give you the details on that interesting divorce. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headlines, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, Bill France Jr., known as Little Bill, the driving force behind making NASCAR the multi-billion dollar industry it is today, passed away earlier this week of cancer. He was 74. Fox Sports TV group chair and CEO David Hill may have put it best when he said France took NASCAR, which was effectively a regional sport, and turned it into a national phenomenon and a true part of Americans' mainstream sports culture. Nathan, this is a guy who took over in 1972 from his father and really helped sign some of the first TV deals and made NASCAR really the number two TV sport behind the NFL. Well, yeah, he helped sign series sponsor Nextel to a 10-year, $700 million deal to replace longtime race sponsor Winston. And, you know, that statement did say it best, but I don't even think it did it justice. NASCAR is so huge right now in ratings nationwide. It's as big as anything else out there, and, and, and mostly in part to France. Yeah, I mean, Fox... ESPN, Sirius Satellite NBC. Radio. Yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on of all the different partners they've had, and it has become, I remember, you know, 10 years ago, people called it Netcar. Well, you know, that's what Jim Rome called it, and people said it's only for people in the South. Well, now everyone around the country knows about it again. It's the number two TV sport next to the NFL. Bill France Jr. did an incredible job. He's left an amazing legacy. Absolutely. And 10 years ago, people could maybe name one racer, Dale Earnhardt Sr., and there's no way they could name any more. Nowadays, you can list off at least 10 if you're not even a fan. So more on my blog, sportsbusinessradio.com, about Bill Francis Jr., or Bill France Jr., but he will sorely be missed. Our next headline, the NBA Finals are underway. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers and the San Antonio Spurs, and you can bet your bottom dollar that Commissioner David Stern and the executives at ABC were rejoicing that LeBron James and the Cavs made it into the finals because the last time the Spurs were in the finals against Detroit, it was a snoozer. So now at least there's a little bit of star power in the finals with LeBron. Well, yeah, I mean, LeBron is exciting to watch, and this is just my opinion, but the Spurs are not the most exciting team to watch. People will tune into LeBron. They will get You will get the casual fan, or not even a fan at all, tuning in. However, we saw with the ratings, which I know you'll just tell us about right now, they, the NBA still got beat out by what was it, Brian? Well, here's some interesting numbers. Uh, We all remember LeBron's historic Game 5 performance in Detroit. 48 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, double overtime game. One of the most thrilling playoff games in a long time. That game attracted 5.6 million viewers on TNT. Well, guess what? At the same time that game was going on, the Scripps National Spelling Bee was going on on ABC. And that attracted 7.1 million viewers. So the Spelling Bee beat the NBA playoffs, and it really 
really beat the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, which, Nathan, you can give us the numbers on that. Here we go. Versus coverage of Game 1 ranked 58th among all TV programs on May 28th. It ranked just behind. Now, get this. The Food Network's Build a Better Burger and Ease Sunset Town. Game 2 ranked 74th on May 30th, placing it just behind a pair of episodes and shows that I've never even heard of. (laughs) Mama's Family on ION Networks. What is that? And VH1's All Access Celebrity Party which Paris Hilton apparently was not at. Well, in these games, to put it in further perspective, there's, what, 300 million people in the United States. There's about 69 million people who get verses nationwide. These games were watched by less than 500,000 people. And that's in the entire country. That's miserable. That's terrible. And NBC's ratings were in the toilet, too, and they're a network, and everybody gets NBC. Well, Game 3, which was on a Saturday night in prime time, got a 1.1 rating. It tied the all-time worst prime time performance for NBC. The other uh, 1.1 rating came from a rerun of the West Wing. That's how low... <laughs> I didn't know that show was still on the air. Yeah, that, well, it's not. A rerun. <laughs> so that's how low Stanley Cup and NHL ratings have fallen Really a stinky week if you're uh, Gary Bettman and the NHL. The Anaheim Ducks are the Stanley Cup champions. Our next headline also has to do with Nike and LeBron James. They activated the uh, We Are All Witnesses campaign. We're seeing it in Sports Illustrated. We're seeing it on the side of buildings. They're doing some commercials. They're doing some online stuff. They're doing T-shirts. Keep your eyes open on that. Our next headline, Dale Earnhardt Jr., People are saying that by the end of this month, he will most likely have a deal. There was some talk about Joe Gibbs Racing, also Hendricks Motorsports, Childress. Those seem to be the three teams that are in the mix the most. But here's something for you. In April, and I've been sitting on this one for a little while. In April, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was in Portland, here in Portland, to meet with representatives from... Nike. Nike at their world headquarters. Could there be a deal in the works for Dale Earnhardt Jr. and the swoosh? Keep your eyes on that one. We certainly will. Our next headline, the NFL has suspended Bears defensive tackle Tank Johnson for the first eight games of the 2007 regular season for violating the league's personal conduct policy. I guess the case can be reviewed no later than October 1st. But Tank Johnson now joins Chris Henry, Pac-Man Jones, the guys that have faced the long arm of the law, new commissioner Roger Goodell. Well, good for Goodell. Finally, someone taking a stand and penalizing these players who can't keep it together off the field or off the court. So kudos to him. Even though a Bears fan I am, I lose Tank Johnson for the first eight games. Well, again, if you do this to enough guys, I think Michael Vick's going to be joining this group uh, pretty soon. But we'll see. He's innocent until proven guilty. We don't want to do the Duke lacrosse thing, but it's not looking good for Michael Vick, and he's certainly causing some black eyes for the NFL right now PR-wise, so he may join this list of guys that are punished. Our next headline, this is a really interesting one. Billy Donovan, he signs a deal with the Orlando Magic last Friday to be their coach. Everyone's happy in Orlando. They sell 200 new season tickets that amounts to about $360,000 in new business. 
He takes the weekend and he says, you know what? I made a horrible mistake. I want to go back to the University of Florida. He gets out of that contract. He has a clause in his contract now that says he has to remain at the University of Florida for the next five years, and he can't come back and coach in the NBA for five years. Thus, you won't see him coaching for an NBA team for at least another five years. Well, this is surprising because if it was about money, it seems like there's so much more money in Orlando than there is at Florida, but obviously his heart and allegiance is to Florida. Yeah, and it's a little bit of an embarrassing thing for Billy Donovan. I mean, he should have made up his mind about this beforehand. It caused a little bit of trouble for the Orlando Magic, but they did find a coach. Stan Van Gundy, former coach of the Miami Heat, is going to be their coach. I think that's a good choice for them. Coming up next, we're going to do our monthly installment of Glickman Global with G2 Strategic CEO Marshall Glickman. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. For an international outlook on the world of sports business, Sports Business Radio presents Glickman Global. My guest is G2 Strategic CEO Marshall Glickman. You can find him online at g2strategic.net. Thanks for joining us again this month, Marshall. Good to speak with you, Brian. So, Marshall, Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich buys Chelsea, then Tampa Bay Buccaneers owner Malcolm Glazer takes over Manchester United, a franchise some people consider to be the most valuable franchise in all of the world. Then Randy Lerner, the Cleveland Browns owner, purchases Aston Villa. What is going on? Well, some would say it's a hobby, but I disagree. I say it's about money. Because in Europe, as a general rule, Brian, clubs are managed with lofty competitive objectives, but they're not guided by rational business practices. Most clubs that I've encountered are undermarketed and poorly managed. So as a result, I've been cautioning my friends in Europe who run leagues and own clubs that American and other foreign interests uh, will come in and buy clubs, that that was inevitable. So for obvious reasons, as that wave is beginning, it starts with the English Premier League and now has even dropped down to the second divisions in the United Kingdom. And I think in the U.K. it's because there's no language barriers and American-style marketing is more accepted. So wait a minute, Marshall. Are you saying that Manchester United is poorly marketed? Well, in their case, I would say that they're well marketed when it comes to the brand because unquestionably it's huge and merchandise sales, as most people know, 
are out of this world. But because the brand is truly global, they do big numbers in television rights. But match day revenues from ticket sales and food and beverage could be substantially higher. And the Europeans haven't yet taken the step, like most American teams, of bringing their media rights in-house, which increases margin. There's no question that an owner like Malcolm Glazer is far more willing and capable of exploiting the commercial side because he's not affected by the pressure from the hardcore supporters of the team. Marshall, let me ask you this. Here we are in 2007. Some people have told me that Europe is basically the equivalent of America in the 1980s. Is that an accurate assessment? I would say more like America in about the 1970s, maybe the early 70s. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. Abramovich, Glazer, Lerner, they're not the only foreigners who have acquired European clubs. Who are some of the other high-profile business people who have also uh, entered the European market? Tom Hicks, who's the owner of the Texas Rangers and Dallas Stars, teamed up with the Montreal Canadiens owner, George Gillette, and together they bought Liverpool. And by the way, in doing so, they outbid a consortium in Dubai, one of the richest nations, as you know, in the world. Uh, There are stories out now that Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche uh, owner Stan Kroenke is targeting Arsenal for a takeover. And we also hear that D.C. United owner and San Francisco Giants minority owner William Chang is in the market, along with an unidentified New York investment bank who are trying to buy Coventry. And then Portsmouth was bought by an American or from an American, if it was first owned by an American and now has been bought by a French-born son of a Russian oligarch. And West Ham United is owned by Icelanders. And Manchester City will soon sell to the former Prime Minister of Thailand. Jeez. So, you know, it's, it's really happening, and it's happening fast. And I suppose there are several others out there that we don't know about. Yeah, I mean, lots of activity in the past. European clubs were mostly owned by the locals. So why is this happening now? Money. You know, smart investors understand that the vast majority of these clubs, no matter how famous they are, no matter how big the brand is, have generally been run in a way that caters to a core group of local fans. And as a result, most of these clubs have really sat on their hands, Brian, and they have done nothing to expand their market and broaden their fan base. So some people, and it sounds like you might be saying this as well, are saying that European owners aren't quite as savvy as the North American owners. Is that an accurate assessment? Well, you know, I would just say that they have a different mentality. Um, You know, in Europe, power and prestige is far more important than profits. The typical mentality in Europe is that fans are people who are avid followers of their team. They forget that not all fans breathe, eat, and sleep with the team on their minds. Most of us have a life outside of being a fan. So the result is that most of the major sports clubs in Europe, as I said before, are undermarketed and poorly managed. American owners, on the other hand, is, you know, as, as it's evolved over the years, are really all about profit and business. And Marshall, is this only going on in soccer? Not at all. 
dominates the sports mix in Europe in a way that we really can't imagine here in the States, they get all the attention. But I think you're going to see with the opening of the O2 Dome in London, which is happening uh, in just about a month, and that'll be followed by a new arena in Berlin, both of which are being developed and managed by Anschutz Entertainment Group, who are the people that own the Staples Center in L.A., as well as the L.A. Kings and many major league soccer clubs and numerous other sports entertainment interests. I think as a result of those two arenas opening, we can expect a wave of new multipurpose indoor arenas, and these new venues need to be fed. You know, basketball, hockey, tennis, volleyball, indoor soccer, team handball, which most Americans haven't heard of, but it's popular in, in, in parts of Europe. These sports and others need to be expanded, branded, and marketed so they provide legitimate content for the new venues that we will be built. Yeah, team handball, what is that? Well, it's a really cool game that's played in France, in Spain, and Germany. Uh, I've actually seen one game when I lived in Barcelona. It's a cross between hockey and basketball, kind of like lacrosse without sticks. It's fast. It's physical. I think, actually, that sport would do really well in the States. I'm surprised it hasn't come. Interesting. My guest is G2 Strategic CEO Marshall Glickman. Find him online at g2strategic.net. Marshall, uh, are you saying that Americans and other foreigners will start buying clubs in some of those other sports as well as soccer? Yep, it's already happening. Uh, in fact, Anschutz has already purchased a small interest in a club called Alba Berlin, which has historically been one of Germany's top basketball clubs. As I said, they need content to feed their new arena. I think it's a good thing because AEG will bring an entirely new perspective when it comes to business and marketing, and basketball's popularity in Germany will benefit, whereby the current ownership really understands the historical context and significance of that club. So Anschutz and they together, I think, is a really uh, positive thing. Anschutz, in fact, also has owned a number of European ice hockey teams from uh, time to time. But Anschutz uh, isn't the only one. You know, Brian, in the last... Oh, I guess two years, I've talked to, I think, three different NBA owners who have inquired about the availability of basketball and hockey teams uh, in Europe. So you're saying that, you know, I understand Anschutz because they obviously own and manage arena. They need to book events. But you think other Americans are going to buy clubs outside of soccer in Europe? Absolutely. It's really simple. The Europeans, as a general rule, are stuck I mean this in a uh, in a fond way, but they're kind of <laughs> stuck in a bygone era where sports clubs, no matter who owned them, were essentially in the public domain. The vast majority of professional clubs in Europe, even in soccer, by the way, rely on direct public subs- subsidy. So that means that the government effectively is able to regulate commercial activities to, quote, protect the public. These are basically socialist countries where markets are highly regulated. So that's been the way it's been. But this is changing. Look in France with the election of Nicolas Sarkozy and Angela Merkel in Germany. And here the economies uh, with these new leaders will be more market-driven and less government-regulated. 
and this will impact sports in a major way, I think it's a positive thing. Marshall, explain to our listeners why it is a positive thing, if you would. The Europeans' obsession with history and tradition is a wonderful thing. You know, Europeans are very loyal to their clubs, and that loyalty tends to get passed down from generation to generation. But on the other hand, in their effort to keep things the same, most European clubs have been far too passive. And in sort of being resistant to the change, they've lost a lot of money. And this opens up the door for American and other foreign foreign ownership, which is now happening. Losing money, as people know, is really not a good thing in sports because you don't have uh, any security. Teams move, teams fold, teams go in Europe from first division to second division, even down to third division. There's too much um, uncertainty from year to year. So having financial and economic stability is very important, and I think that's what American-style ownership and, and really other foreign ownership can bring. So, Marshall, last question for this month's installment of Glickman Global. What can we expect in the coming years? I think American especially, and to a lesser extent, other foreign ownership influencing the direction of sports in Europe and I think you're going to also find that this will emerge in China, which is a subject that we should talk about in the future. Absolutely. You know, because it's probably all going to be on an even larger scale there. Um, so while instituting better business practices, the smart owners, especially, you know, Americans coming in from outside, must deeply respect the history and celebrate the characteristics that differentiate European sports from how things are done over here. Because good business means understanding the market and the local mentality. That's why the McDonald's menu is different from country to country. I get it. Hey, interesting stuff, Marshall. Thanks for making time to join us on this month's edition of Glickman Global. To find Marshall and G2 Strategic, go online to g2strategic.net. Marshall, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks for making the time. Talk to you in July. Thanks, Brian. You take care. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. If you had one shot, one opportunity... Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. 
one-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is the majority owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers and the chairman and founder of Quicken Loans, Dan Gilbert. Dan, congratulations on your team's first trip to the NBA Finals. Thanks for making the time to join me this week. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. It's great for the you know city of Cleveland and uh, the players and the organization. And uh, we're real happy after 37 years, we're finally in the big show. Yeah, what an exciting time there in Cleveland. Let me take you back a few years. Walk us through the process that led to your purchase of the Cavaliers. Because frankly, I was a little surprised that Gordon Gunn sold the team only a few years after kind of hitting the lottery and getting LeBron James. Yeah, you know, I, the exact reasons that he sold, I guess, you know, I totally don't know. I mean, you know, he's, he's turning, you know, 65, and he, uh, you know, had a lot of work he wants to do with his foundation and everything, and he actually still does own 15% of the team, so he's, you know, he still comes to some games, and, you know, we talk a little bit, and he's a great partner, but, um, you know, the process of buying it was just, uh, you know, decided probably a year or two before they were interested in some kind of Midwest sports team uh, because we wanted a I have a vehicle that would, besides the challenge and the excitement of it all, of course, you know, that would also tie into our other businesses and our employees and be able to build morale by, you know, having that kind of connection and, and excitement around. So, uh, you know, we went through the process, and, and Gordon had actually, through a banker, uh, he found us, or the banker found us, and he didn't really want to have a, you know, a whole long auction process. He'd rather deal with one buyer at a time. We were able to reach agreement after a couple months. So towards the end of the 05-05 season, we were able to close, and, that's pretty much how we uh, got the team. It's been a pretty good ride so far. Listen, I do some reading, and, and I've talked to several people that work with you, and they tell me that the key to success in any organization that you're a part of, you really believe that it starts with the culture. And in the short period of time that you've owned the Cavaliers, you've completely overhauled the front office executive team, the coaching staff, player personnel, even the game presentation. Uh, you obviously had a certain culture in mind when you bought this team. Can you tell us about your thinking along those lines? Yeah, well, in other businesses, you know, Quicken Loans or Fathead or Flat Feet and those companies that are not necessarily sports teams, and we, we have a real strong culture that we've believed in for years and developed over years, and it's, it's kind of the anti-corporate culture, if you will, and it's a, it's a common-sense culture. I could probably talk for hours and hours about what it is, but it really promotes uh, people's ability to get things done and to innovate and to get their ideas out there and to not just be kind of a, a cog in a corporate wheel. And you know, taking that over to the basketball side, when we bought the basketball team, uh, since we are very philosophically driven, it, to us it, it was a, really a lot of research into the, the existing NBA teams and saying to ourselves, of the, of the teams that exist today, who has this, you know, maybe not an identical culture to what we're used to, but who has kind, kind of the attributes or the characteristics of what we would want to create. And, and two teams come to mind in that um, as we looked over the years, um, and that was the Detroit Pistons and the San Antonio Spurs. So uh, for us, you know, taking part of what they've done, defensive-oriented teams and you know, having a great workplace and, and looking at character and integrity and the kind of guys you draft or you sign in free agency was very, very important to us. And you can see that in basketball. I mean, if you look at – if you were to look at the Cleveland Cavalier roster – and look at some of the other teams' rosters who are not in the finals. I mean, you could probably make a case on a talent basis that there's other teams that are equivalent. But you know, when you really look behind the curtain, you'll see that you know there's more, much more than just talent level that drives things. It's coaches' philosophy, GM's philosophy, the organization's philosophy, and you know how they tie that all together and, and work as a team. So uh, that's what we did, and we hired 
some great guys out of the San Antonio organization, and you see no mistake that we had to go through Detroit, and we'll have to go through San Antonio to win a championship. Yeah, isn't that ironic? I was just thinking about that, and, and look at all the executives. Sam Presti gets hired in uh, Seattle this week as their GM. It seems like San Antonio has really become a, a breeding ground for uh, executives around the league. Absolutely, and you know, and it works both ways because they are a great culture and have a great philosophy and a family culture and do the right thing they're very team oriented they attract people who care about those things so you know you're attracting those kinds of people and then those kinds of people become wanted by others as people wake up to the success they've done dan it's no secret that lebron james is one of the bright young stars in all of the nba you were able to sign him to an extension last summer in addition to being one of the best basketball players in the world he's Obviously, very, very good for business. You talk about culture. How has LeBron's arrival in Cleveland changed the culture in Cleveland with your organization, the sponsors, the fans, and, and even the media? Well, LeBron was there for two years prior to us getting there. So this is our second year, really, in the league. And so he, he was already there and in, in already part of the turnaround because the year before he got there, the team had won 17 games. But, you know, they had... Um, in our opinion, when we took over the team, probably hit the potential of what was going to happen, which was probably about a 500-ish team at best, uh, even with LeBron, because you, as we all know, you can't just have you know, one player. I don't care if he's LeBron or Michael Jordan, whoever. You've got, got not only have players around him, but also, again, a, a, a team philosophy and, a we believe, anyways, a, a very strong defensive focus to win in the playoffs. And you can see two very highly defensive teams in the finals here. And same thing last year and year before, and you know you can go back and back on that. So it takes more than that, and and, and they they have done some work coming from the bottom to where they were, but we we felt we really needed to make some wholesale changes in both the front office as well as the coaching staff. Focus on defense, focus on character, integrity, good guys, team approach, family atmosphere, and LeBron himself uh, obviously is the center of all that. Um, but you can't just do it with him. That's that's the key thing. You got to have more than than what he brings, which is a tremendous amount. Um, and when you're able to do that, you, you can have some success. So that that's kind of how it's played into it. Dan, obviously LeBron has some big sponsors he works with as well: Nike, Microsoft, Coca-Cola, amongst others. That's just more positive brand exposure for the Cavaliers via LeBron. You know, I had Lynn Merritt, who works with Nike Basketball, on the show not too long ago. He tells me that his partnership with the Cleveland Cavaliers is the best he's ever had with any team in the NBA. So you're not a big market team, but it seems like you've really done a great job of leveraging this relationship with LeBron and his sponsors to promote the Cavaliers brand as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't really matter. If you think about it, Nike themselves, as you know better than anybody, is not headquartered in a large major market, right? And that's right. one of the great brands, one of the great brands in the country and the world. So, you know, there's kind of a little bit of this uh, East Coast, West Coast kind of arrogance, and not, not necessarily in Portland or Seattle. I'm talking a little south or, or on the New York side that thinks that, you know, if you're not in one of those two, two areas or cities, you know, the big cities out there, either way, that, you know, you can't have this and you can't have that. Well, today with international cable and satellite television and the Internet and everything else, you, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter where you're headquartered, whether you can build a great brand and everything. And Lynn Merritt's been a great partner of ours. And I saw him last night at the game in San Antonio wearing his blue shoes, very, very, very unique color of blue Nike shoes. I asked him for a pair immediately, of course. But uh, he, 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 uh, he's been a great partner in Nike's philosophy, which has you know, got definitely uh, similarities to some of ours. has been great. And uh, we, we just, you know, we don't even think about it. But, you know, think about this. I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers play 41 of their games not in their town anyway. 
so they're traveling, right? Right. Half of them are in Cleveland, and we have pretty much the most te- uh, national, international tele- televised games in the league anyway. So that's where the millions and the, the masses are going to see us. So um, we believe whether you're in Cleveland or Portland or San Antonio, uh, you can build a big international brand these days. My guest is Dan Gilbert. He's the majority owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, Dan, I've got to ask you this question. I've asked some of the other NBA owners that have been on the show before. They tell me that owning an NBA team or any pro sports team, for that matter, provides them with a thrill that it's really hard to get from any of their other investments. As you're sitting watching Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals and watching LeBron's historic performance, what's running through your mind? Well, you know, it's a great question. For us, I've tried to tie in because we're a a very consumer – oriented we have a lot of consumer businesses you know national consumer based retail businesses so try to tie everything together to look at it as one business and one investment but putting all of what they do aside and yeah when you're sitting there first of all you're kind of sitting there as a fan more than anything sure at times you have to remind yourself you know you forget you're watching the game you're just a very intense fan watching you (laughs) you forget that you own the team but it's it's been a great experience my biggest thrill is seeing like last night you know the first game and I, i saw Many of the, the people behind the scenes and, and the radio side and the, the team that travels with our team that does all of the, I guess, the backstage crew type stuff. Right. And a lot of them have been with Cleveland for 15, 20 years. And to just see their faces and oh, I bet. the public relations people and that they finally made it to the big show in the finals. I mean, that, that to me is just as good as uh, watching us on the court. So it's been it's been great so far, but we still got a little bit more work to do to, to bring it all home for Cleveland. So let me ask you this. Looking ahead to October... Uh, the Cavaliers are headed to China. I guess you're going to play the Orlando Magic there. Are you going to make that trip? And, uh, you know, LeBron is so popular over there. Yeah, it looks like I'm going to make it. Uh, it sounds like a great, interesting trip. It'll be about a week long. We're going to play two games against Orlando in China. Uh, obviously, that's kind of uh, leading up to the 2008 Olympics in China. So uh, LeBron and Nike, they've got some great stuff going on there. And basketball itself is just exploding all over China. In fact, uh, I was at the NBA owners meeting. NBA owners meeting just uh, about three or four weeks ago. They threw a statistic out that there's more people that play basketball in China than there are citizens of the United States. So they're like over 300 million oh. people wow. in China actually play basketball now, and it's it's really becoming you know the international sport. It's kind of challenging soccer in a way, and it's uh, real exciting to see they're even building a NBA like stadium or arena right now, the first one ever should be ready uh, next year. Yeah, that's what uh, I hear. I hear they've got big plans for China, maybe even starting another uh, league over there. Yeah, so. I think it's inevitable, and I think the guys in New York are really focused on it at the NBA headquarters, and they're doing a good job with this, as well as their offices overseas. And I think that just eventually, and I, I couldn't say when, I'm not sure they know exactly, but not too far out in the future, there will be some sort of NBA league or partnership in China. That's great. Hey, we've got a few minutes left. You're the founder of Quicken Loans. The company employs about 5,000 people. I see it's always rated as one of the best places to work by Fortune magazine. What are some of the strategies you use to make the workplace so productive and enjoyable for your employees? Well, I think all you really have to do is just walk in a typical corporation and try to do 180, maybe. You know, and I hate to do, I hate to say that, but you know, typical corporate America, not everywhere, of course, but is a very bland, dry, cold hearted place uh, from you know, from the colors of the cubes to the walls to the you know the the, uh, the way people dress and you know the, this kind of belief that you have to be so serious and, and you have to be so bureaucratic and you have to be so kind of like know your place that you know t- to be successful which we believe is a complete opposite and what we try to do again is unleash people's 
innovation in their mind and their ability to, to bring forth things, ideas, you know, little changes to find the dumb, stupid things we do, which, you know, no matter who we are, we do a lot of them. And no matter who you, how successful you'll be, you'll always do some of them. Sure. Have a way for them to matter. And, and that really is what it starts with. It starts with awareness, making sure people are really aware and paying attention and they have urgency. And, and they just, it's really more about the, uh, the what than the who, you know. So if you're a brand new person working there as a receptionist for three days and you have a great idea, it shouldn't matter that you came up with it versus somebody who's a CEO or chairman. And we really do take that approach, a bottoms up approach. And it's been, uh, I think, very successful in our people. You know, they love the environment. I mean, you got to, you can't, everybody's always focused on tactical, tactical. If we do this, you're in basketball. If you just get a point guard, if you're in a business, if I can just get this product, then I'll be there. But that really never seems to happen. you got to have an underlying foundation, a culture that people thrive in, and basically defining who you are as a company. That's great. Uh, Flash Seeds and Fathead, two other companies you own. Let's talk quickly about Flash Seeds. Seems like uh, that's paying big dividends for you during these playoffs here. Yeah, well, is a uh, is a great um, idea that we're just kind of forming into a company now, starting to have revenue, and we're building it again around the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's an example of something earlier, and that is a uh, a technology that we own, a patented technology that allows electronic ticket not only transfer but the whole way through. So, in other words, you can go on our, our site and buy a Cleveland Cavalier ticket or, or season ticket, put in your driver's license number or credit card number. And then just come to the arena, and we take your magnetic strip, or we put in the number you have, and we just uh, put it through our little machine, and wow. then your stubs print out for your seats, and you go sit down. Now, what that also does is get rid of a lot of paper, because if you got a friend over across town and you wanted to get tickets to that night, you don't have to now deliver paper tickets. You just go on the computer, take your number out, and put their number in, and they just show up and get your seats. And more importantly, even almost in all of that, is your ability now to move those tickets electronically to buyers who want to buy them, and you've got sellers who will sell them, and it's really the only place that you can go because we have the electronic transferring of them, and that should cut out brokers or scalpers or people in the middle and allow the ticket holders to really uh, benefit by it. Hey, last question. Uh, I know that you own the AHL hockey franchise. I love the name, the Lake Erie Monsters. I guess you moved them from uh, Salt Lake City. I saw that you tried to uh, buy the Brewers, I guess it was a few years ago. Are you happy with the franchises you own, or would you like to own some other franchises? Yeah, well, the, the Lake Erie Monsters actually begin playing their inaugural year this fall. So we just uh, we kind of made that deal in the last six months, and we're real excited about that. And we're the uh, only affiliate now of the Colorado Avalanche. And so we've got some great people. That's another great organization there. And, uh, yeah, we I tried to buy the Brewers with a group uh, prior to the, the Cavaliers. So uh, that was a good opportunity, but it, it went a different way. And this one... You know, we're real, real excited about, obviously, the Cavaliers. But, yeah, and certainly down the road, if it makes sense, if if the threads will tie with each other and, and if there's another team where we could build together and, you know, what we learned on one side we could deploy on the other uh, and, and the geography was, you know, conducive to that, we probably uh, would look at something. Well, Dan, I appreciate you making time. Guests appearing during our Sports End segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses. Morton's the steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Mortons nearest you, go online to mortons.com. Again, Dan, thank you. I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time. I really appreciate you making time, and uh, good luck in the NBA Finals. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for custom fit fine clothing and personal service to match, I call my friend Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. 
Tom James's highly trained sales professionals like Brian Tacker come directly to your home or office, saving you valuable time. Brian plans and coordinates my wardrobe so I am perfectly attired for any situation, whether it's a TV interview, a press conference, or a fundraiser. The Tom James Company offers over 500 suit fabrics and 250 shirt fabrics, and they carry all the accessories you'll need, from belts and ties to shoes and socks. The Tom James Company has been in business for over 40 years, and 80% of their business is generated from repeat customers. Call Brian Tacker today at 503-807-7956 or find his information at sportsbusinessradio.com. Brian Tacker and the Tom James Company, the official fine clothing partner of Sports Business Radio. For an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. Well, here's the question of the week. Who had a shorter stay? Billy Donovan with the Orlando Magic or Paris Hilton in jail? She gets a rash and has a nervous breakdown and they send her home. Nathan, what's going on? Well, I don't know. Is this camp? Is this like when you get sick at camp and they send you home? They were, make, they were making jokes about Tiffany sending her a gold-plated bracelet to wear around the house because apparently she's going to be on house arrest for the next 45 days, which is basically a walk in the park. Well, and I guess Bobby... Uh, Half a million dollars was offered to anyone who could get her uh, photographed in her orange jumpsuit. Well, I guess that photograph isn't going to happen now. Listen, house arrest in her house for 45 days, where do I sign up? That's all I got to say. Yeah, I'd love to just spend a day there under house arrest. But this is ridiculous. I mean, they're bending the rules. Once again, a celebrity has the rules bent for them. I know this doesn't have a lot to do with sports business. Well, she's dated a couple uh, business or uh, sports yeah, people. Yeah, Matt Leinard. Okay, so there's our sports business angle. But, I mean, this is ridiculous. Whether you're an athlete, a celebrity, I am sick and tired of the rules being bent. And you know every lawyer is going to reach into their back pocket now and say, hey, Paris Hilton got out. Why can't my client get well, out? Nicole Richie is right there. She, she's right behind Paris, and she may be going to jail, too. This is perfect. She's her friend. Pull the old Paris Hilton plea deal and get on house arrest. That's what I would certainly do, but I'm tired of it, too. Too many celebrities and athletes, we talk about them every week on the show, are getting off. I got an idea. New reality show. Paris Hilton, Nikki, and Lindsay Lohan all under house arrest in the same house. Ooh, that's a great And show. I think you got to throw uh, Dr. Jerry Buss in there, too. He was our CIC from last week. He can bring his 23-year-old girlfriend with him, and that's a great show. Oh, yeah, I'd watch it. I'd watch it way more than the NHL playoffs. Yeah, as we discussed earlier. Yeah, as we discussed earlier in the show, uh, I think a lot more people would watch it more than the people that watch the NHL playoffs. Lots of thank yous this week to our guests, our show staff, Nathan Roach. Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, and Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast anytime you want by going to sportsbusinessradio.com and clicking on the podcast page. Check out our newly designed website, sportsbusinessradio.com. We've got a lot of cool features. Hopefully the site's a little easier for you to navigate, and I think it looks a whole lot better. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in this week, and we will see you next weekend. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio.
Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com. 